Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 1, The Broken Circle. And what did you think of this episode, Vicki? I did like this episode. Although Captain Pike wasn't there for almost any of it, I kind of liked the way they did that. Because we ended last season with the Una situation. Yeah. And so we expected it to be front and center in this episode. So I kind of feel like this was a way of the show being able to have another adventure separate from that situation while we know that Pike's on it. Yeah. And yes. I did like the whole Spock exploring his emotions years before we met the original series Spock. And I don't remember, I remember saying something to you when they cast Carol Kane. I don't remember if it was on air or in a text, but I thought it was an odd choice. Okay. And okay. I still, even after watching this episode, I feel like it's an odd choice. I mean, it might just be something I need to get used to. I like her. <laughs> I like her in everything else she's in. I just thought it was an yeah. odd choice for Star Trek. And I, it could be me. It could be me just having to get used to her character. Yeah. But I do have a question about the Klingons, and it's more of a, am I forgetting something? <laughs> So let's go ahead and describe what happens in this episode. And like you, I actually really liked it too. And like you, I had no problem with Captain Pike being virtually non-existent in this episode because as we've discussed previously, one of the things I love about this series is that it is a true ensemble series where we are growing and learning about each character and those characters working together. It isn't a series that is focused on one main character only with the ensemble sort of a supporting cast. Right. All right. Let me read a quick summary of this episode. This is from Memory Alpha, the um, fandom wiki for Star Trek. A distress call from Lieutenant Noonien Singh compels Spock to disobey orders and take the USS Enterprise and its crew into disputed space, risking renewed hostilities with the Klingons in a bid to aid their shipmate. So tell me what your concerns were when you first learned that this was going to be a story with Klingons. Well, I wasn't concerned. I had questions. Well, I'll just tell you my questions and then we can get into the story. But I think I might be forgetting something. So these Klingons are not the Discovery Klingons. Right. And it does take place in basically the same timeline. This takes place after Discovery goes to the future. Right, but not that far after. Not that far It doesn't after. seem to be anyway. It seems to be right after. Yeah. Okay. So I remember way back towards the beginning of Discovery, you were thinking that the Klingons in Discovery may be some special sect. And I actually remember that you compared them to or wondered if they were the ancestors of the sect that believed Bolana's baby was the holy one. Oh, yeah. Yes. So okay, did, I remember but that comment. I'm not saying that's what they decided that they were. We just talked about that. 
But did they ever tell us in Discovery, were these a, a different sect? I don't. I don't recall that. Okay. I don't think so. I, I have just, no memory of that. Yeah, I was wondering if I just forgot something. Because, again, yeah. now we have different Klingons. You know, the older Klingons. Yes, more or less. Even though in the original series... Klingons right. didn't have the ridges, so true. So how is that all worked in? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting. But I will. I would actually invite our listeners, any of our listeners who may recall, if there was some conversation about whether the Discovery Klingons were somehow different from other Klingons, go ahead and drop uh, those comments, your comments into the comment section below, and we will update that next time. I do remember discussing that maybe their look was because they were some religious sect. And I do remember you bringing up the, the sect that thought Belana's baby was their holy person. I would have loved if they had done that kind of tie-in. Oh, that yeah. would have been really fun. I mean, I, I know that would have been great, but we weren't expecting that. But I did wonder if they ever explained if they were some sort of offshoot. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this episode. We start this episode off at um, a space station in orbit of Jupiter where the Enterprise is getting upgrades and is being sort of maintained. It's getting maintenance done. And Captain Pike goes off and leaves the ship to join, not to join Una, but to go find Una a lawyer. She needs an attorney and nobody wants to take her case. So he disappears to go do that. Are we supposed to know who they're talking about? I don't think so. Okay. Because I was trying to think of a character that was maybe yeah. in the original series or something. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, certainly that we encountered attorneys in the original series. Um, right. Specifically, oh, wait, what was the name of that episode? Was it called Court Martial, where the guy was in the ion pod and they thought he was killed and then he wasn't killed? Right, right. So there were a couple of attorneys in that. There was the Judge Advocate General character, of course, one of Kirk's former lovers, because they were all Kirk's former lovers. Right. And then also Samuel T. Cogley, was that his name? I don't remember. I was just wondering so if I missed something, if I was supposed to pick up on that. Okay. I don't think so. I okay. didn't. Again, if our listeners picked up on it, drop a line in the comments, let us know what we missed. That would be awesome. Anyway, so we see Captain Pike disappear. And of course, he puts Spock in command before he goes. And Spock with, you know, some sort of foreshadowing for us, which I thought was a little heavy handed. We didn't really need it, but it was a small, that's a small thing. Says, oh, well, famous last words that, you know, all I have to do is stay here in in space dock and undergo maintenance because then, you know, as soon as Pike leaves, they get a distress call from, you know, Lieutenant Noonien Singh telling them that there's danger to the Federation. And so then they fake a warp core breach to try to escape to steal the Enterprise. And the head of the inspection team named Pelia She's like, isn't this interesting? This is what someone would do if they were trying to fake a warp core breach. So, and I know you're trying to fake a warp core breach, and why are you doing this? And so she essentially kind of joins their team by backing them into a corner saying, you know, you've broken 17 stars for regulations, but I want to come with you. Right. So they take her advice on how to really make it look legit as a warp core breach, and then they steal the Enterprise, and she comes along as their chief engineer. And I really like this character. I thought she was a lot of fun. She immediately had some mystery wrapped around her. She was smart. She knew what was going on, but she was playful. She didn't seem to have any ill intent. And then Uhura pegged her as a species called Lanthanite, which then, of course, you're wondering what that means. Right. I enjoyed that character. And she apparently also knew Spock's mom. Yes. 
So yes. there was history there. There was culture there for us to learn about. There was this knowledge. She, she came off to me as an intriguing character right off the bat. I just have to get used to her, I guess. I just yeah. thought it was an odd choice. Yeah, she does have a very high-pitched voice. Yes. And a very high-energy, you know, persona, which is, is very interesting in contrast to sort of the low-key energy of everyone else around her. From Spock, who theoretically is like the lowest of low-keys, but not in this episode. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. To, you know, all the rest of the bridge crew who are still pretty low-key. And then she's like, she's electric with her energy. But it kind of works. I'll be interested in seeing how she interacts with Pike. Because Pike is a little bit more up higher key. He's more energetic as a character. Yeah, true, true. So I'll be real interested in seeing what he thinks of his new chief engineer when he gets back. So anyway, so they uh, steal the Enterprise. They run off to this planet that is a contested planet because it has dilithium and so there's this really complex treaty related to this planet where the klingons and the federation use this planet on a month-to-month rotation and so if they show up in their big old spaceship that could trigger the klingons right um, into seeing it as an act of war because they're there and they're not supposed to be there it's not their month right so they have to hide in like an asteroid field of some kind and they send down an away team and they immediately get separated. One part of the away team goes to help victims of a mining accident and the other part of the away team tries to explore this weird happenings about something going on and the Klingons want Federation tech and they want Federation weapons and what is this all about? And the medical team, which Chapel and Dr. Mbenga, get kidnapped essentially press ganged to go help the Klingons on a stolen Federation ship. And so it becomes clear that there is some subset of the Klingons that is trying to trigger a new war with the Federation. And what they're going to do is take this Federation ship and the Federation weapons and attack the Klingon ship and make it look like the Federation attacked the ship. Right. And then start start a new war. Why was not clear to me. And I don't think it was discussed. Did I miss it? Well, the only thing they said was that because now there's peace and there's some faction of Klingons who think peace is not profitable. Okay, so it was about profit. So it was like yeah. a very Ferengi approach. Pretty much, yeah. Yes, but you know, the Ferengi, rules of acquisition. Rule of acquisition 34 is war is good for business. Rule of acquisition 35 is peace is good for business. Right. Or maybe they're switched, I forget. So it's interesting that they used profit as a motivation here as opposed to in the past when we've seen Klingons want to start a new war because it's part of the Klingon way they are a warrior race yeah and I think that peace makes them weak yeah we've seen that before too yeah I have a kind of a problem with with these Klingons you know <laughs> where's all the talk of honor which trust me I don't enjoy when they go on and on about honor but that one Klingon gave up the information very quickly yes these didn't remind me of any Klingons we've seen it's interesting. It's very interesting. You wonder if it's sort of a red herring for us or whether this is going, we're going to be circling back. And it's interesting, the, the title, Broken Circle, now that I just said circling back, I never figured out what the broken circle means. Right. So I'm kind of wondering about that. But anyway, wonder if we'll circle back to the Klingons later in this season to kind of see if there's underlying issues going on here that we just don't know about yet. Yeah. Anyway, so we get these two groups. We have uh, Dr. Mbenga and Nurse Chapel on the ship. They've been press-ganged into healing people on the ship. And we've got our group who are trying to figure out what's going on with the Klingons taking the technology. We spend a lot of time with Chapel and Mbenga. And we get to see some very strange, I was really kind of perplexed by this, super serum. And they hulk out. Right. And and become 
super Steve Rogers soldiers beating up Klingons using some green serum. No explanation at all. No explanation. Right. And it's just something that Dr. Ambega carries around. And the implication is, is that he has it with him because of what they experienced during the Klingon war that the rest of Enterprise did not engage in because Christopher Pike had that ship on that five-year mission. Right. So they didn't, they weren't part of the, of the Klingon war. So anyway, but that's all we get. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. Through Chaplin and Bango, we get to the understanding that the ship is intended to start a war, and they did everything they could to try to stop them, and they finally are cornered, and the ship starts to leave, which I thought the, the timing was very coincidental, too. <laughs> They arrive and, oh, now the ship is leaving, and leaving with the humans on board. That part didn't really make sense to me. If they had these humans on board who were, like, kicking Klingon butt left, right, and center, you'd think they would postpone their mission and figure out what these people were doing and stop them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if... I can only guess that whoever is driving the ship didn't know they were on board. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But how could they not know? I mean, they're going through the quarters, beating the crap out of every Klingon That's they true. come across. How can they not know? That's true. I don't know. Maybe they jumped the gun because, you know, now they were discovered. Maybe. So Maybe they, that was it. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they get up into space. And meanwhile, everybody else comes back onto the ship because another ship has arrived and they're going to have to do something. They can't show themselves to the other Klingon ship, though, because then it'll start the war. And then they realize this Federation ship is emerging from the planet. And Spock knows the chapel's on board. And so he's got all these feels for yeah. her. Lots of feels. Right. Kind of annoying how many feels Spock has. <laughs> anyway, Chaplin and Benga are trapped, so they decide to eject themselves out of an airlock into space in the hopes that Enterprise will pick up the beacon that they've activated and beam them aboard before they die, which is actually a very dramatic scene. I enjoyed the scene a lot. I thought it was very well done. The drama and the heightened tension was really good. And having to do that in order to stop this planned, what do they call it? Um, I totally blanked, but Spock called it a, oh, maybe it was a false false flag operation. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so I liked that. It's just the fact that the ship was taking off when it did was, that seemed a little convenient to me. But the rest of it I thought was really good. And yes, they do rescue them from space. And Umbanga is doing fine. And Chapel is not doing so well. And then Spock talks to the Klingon ship and convinces them, because he's a, a Vulcan, that they were actually stopping this false flag operation. They were not intending to attack them. They were stopping the ship that was, you know, not really affiliated with them. And the only way that the Klingon captain is going to believe him is if he drinks blood wine with him and can see his face. Right. So Spock does. And it's funny, and it's a light ending to the episode. It was fun. I enjoyed it. And then they go back to Earth to go back to the Starbase. And Spock is not held accountable for his actions stealing the, the Enterprise because 
as we learn in a little like a little aside after Starfleet stops talking to Spock, that there's a threat on the other side of the galaxy from the Gorn. Right. And Spock saved them from a two-front war with the Klingons and the Gorn, which I actually really liked. I love this idea that the Gorn are becoming a threat. I do, too. I like when there's a different villain. Yeah, you know exactly. And the only thing I really didn't care for was sort of like the, just like I said, the convenience of the ship taking off after they're pressed ganged on board and then sort of the all the feels with Chapel. I was going to go back and watch the last episode of last season because he had, he had to let his emotions out during that yeah. last episode. So it feels like this is temporary, not temporary, but he let his emotions out in the last episode so he can't get control now. He's trying to get control. So... I kind of understood it. It didn't bother me. I guess that what bothers me is that he has been trained since childhood to control his emotions. And there are, as we know from previous, you know, series, strategies and tools that Vulcans use in order to maintain this control. And we don't see Spock using them. Instead of having it be a slip up now and then, it seems to be constant. <laughs> Right. That's, that's, I think, what I really don't like. And I'm wondering if they're doing that. Is there something, and at this point I'm confused between shows like which came first and everything. Is there something that he does between Strange New Worlds and the original series to kind of get his emotions in check? Is there some kind of ritual he has to go through or something? Yeah, that's a good, that's actually a really good question. And that would be fascinating if they did that. But I feel like, like that's why they're making him so emotional, that they're going to yeah. show us how he got to be Spock, who still had a little bit of emotion, but he held it in check more than this one does. I, I and that feel, would be fun, like something like a mini colonar, which isn't like... Exactly. You know, but yeah. it would be interesting if there was like some sort of sub-level emotional purge process right and that's ritual. right like Tuvok what did they do with Tuvok when he was a child oh right exactly when so, they sent him to go see right and I'm wondering and I'm wondering if that's why they're showing Spock the way he is now so we could see the progression yeah. I kind of think it's hope, on purpose I think they're making him more emotional on purpose so, I hope you're right because that would be very enjoyable yeah what else did you like about this episode well, I, I like the whole thing. I like, you know, Spock being in charge. I like learning a little bit more about Mbenga and the Klingons because there's an issue there. There's a PTSD definitely there. I'd like we're getting Lon back. Yeah. I just like the whole thing. And I, I thought I had another question, but it's gone. Okay. Well, I liked it too. Even though I, you know, mentioned some niggling things that I wasn't crazy about, they did not take away from my enjoyment of the episode. And I actually overall really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was a good start to season two. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, but definitely the Klingons were different, 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 different. And not that I don't like, I don't know how to explain it. I like, like, Deep Space Nine Klingons when they're not totally serious all the time. Yeah. I like that. It's just that they're different in this time period. You know, there was, like, no honor talk. The guy caved quickly. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking about when we see Deep Space Nine, the majority of the Klingons that we see are actually in sort of high-level positions of command and authority. Exactly. And there's no honor. They keep talking about honor, and there's no honor because they're all corrupt, except for they, Martok, who is my favorite Klingon of all time. Yes. And, and Worf. I, he's not my favorite, Martok. Right. But, he's, <laughs> he, but, he, but he actually is honorable. 
he is. It really works to to be honorable. But he's he's the contrast. He's such a stick in the mud all the time. Yeah. Whereas Martok can have fun and still be honorable. Yeah, and I just I'm thinking about all those Klingons that we see on Deep Space Nine, and in some ways they're all high ranking, whether it's military rank or political rank or even social rank. Whereas these Klingons don't have that even even in discovery those klingons had some kind of sort of superior worldview at least they thought they did yes and whereas these klingons are more of your everyday you know salt of the earth klingons and i'm wondering if that's somehow the difference that could be very interesting so on a scale of one to ten what would you give this episode i'm gonna give it an eight as am i i believe this is an eight this is eight worthy yeah Definitely. Cool. And is there anything else that you want to add about the broken circle? There was, but it's gone. Okay. (laughs) And you know what? We can certainly add it in the next episode. Yeah. So we invite our listeners to join us as we talk about Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 2, Ad Astra Per Aspera. Thank you so much, Vicki. See you later. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.